0: and welcome to another episode of Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. It is Friday, June 1st, episode 267. Broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. This is Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM. Glad to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. We hope to entertain you a little bit. Put a smile on your face give you a nice afternoon alternative as you're driving about in your car, running the kids around to sports practices, going to the grocery store, heading home from work. Some of you might be heading into work. Maybe you're working the swing shift. This will help put a smile on your face before you go into work. We also like to educate you and inform you and bring up things that are happening in the news and in the community. Oftentimes we interview people, whether they're people that are part of the Harvest Organization or people from the community, different leaders, people that are organizing different events that might be of interest to you, the listener. We always want to do something that's going to help build you up in your Christian walk, and so we hope that this show, Live Till 5, does that for you. You can always listen to us Fridays from 3 to 5 as our live broadcast, and then, of course, Saturdays, we rebroadcast the show in its entirety from noon to 2, or Sunday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. So catch us on The Rebound, Saturdays, noon to 2, Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m., when we rebroadcast all two hours of Live Till 5 on 88.1 FM. You can also listen online. We stream the audio from our radio station through our website, khmg.org, khmg.org, so you can listen to KHMG at your desk, on your Smart device. There are some different uh, apps you can download to your tablet or your phone. And there are just a lot of different ways to tune in. So we want to make sure that you do that. And we'd love to hear from you. Go to Harvest Family Radio Guam on Facebook and let us know you're listening by sending us a personal message. Give us a little thumbs up, follow us. Then you'll be notified every time we have something new, like we update. Uh, a new podcast, or we send out a devotional, or we put out some new pictures, we want you to be able to stay connected to us, and we love to hear from you. Matter of fact, it was just yesterday. I was at the doctor's office, and the nice lady who was working at the cashier's desk saw my debit card and saw my name, and I could tell she was looking at it a little bit, and then she said, oh, i thought you were very funny on the radio last week or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. And I was like, oh, you listen to the show? She's like, yes, I listen. I couldn't listen to it live, so I listened to it on the Saturday or whatever. And uh, we had a little conversation. And uh, I said, do you listen to our radio station? She says, oh, yes, I listen to 88.1 FM. And so it was really encouraging for us to hear from people. And we bump into people all the time like that. But another way for us to hear from people is also to get a message through Harvest Family Radio's Facebook page, or through our our email, which you can contact us through the website, khmg.org. So, day and hello to all of you listeners out there, those who we know about and the millions that we don't know about. I'm being optimistic, but you know what I mean. We have a lot of fun on this show as well. And it is the month of June, which means I have a new list, a new list provided to me by Bob the Librarian. Now, Bob the librarian you know he's a librarian 12 months out of the year even though the library is not open right now his work never stops he's kind of like Santa Claus getting ready for the next christmas if that was such now the the main difference is bob is a real person um anyway june is according to this list from bob the librarian uh let's see here Oh, he asked, by the way, when he emailed me this, um, when was hug Jared Baldwin Day, which I would say that that holiday actually was, was merged in with um, New Year's Eve way back in the early 70s. And so there is no hug at Jared Baldwin Day anymore. Anyway, the month of June, however, is adopt a shelter cat month. We could use that here on Guam. Uh, Let's see here, African American Music Appreciation Month, Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness, Uh, let's see here, Audiobook Appreciation, Beautify Your Skin Month, Uh, let's see what else, Corn Month, Cucumber Month, Dairy Month, Dairy Alternatives Month, not to be outdone by those Dairy Month people. Disaster Preparedness Month. I just saw that come from the governor's office. Effective Communications Month. Uh, Let's see here. Entrepreneurs Do-It-Yourself Marketing Month. Fashion in Colonial Virginia Month. That's a very narrow niche group there. Uh, Fireworks Safety Month. Georgia Blueberry Month. Lemon Month. Uh, light the Night for Sight Month and Mango Month, to name a few. And I know that mangoes, we have people bringing in mangoes to harvest now. We have buckets of mangoes in the back office right now. Thank you very much, everyone, bringing in mangoes. Also had some wonderful mango jam recently made by uh, Mrs. Camacho. But anyway, I digress. This week, the first week of June, is, uh, let's see here, Zoo and Aquarium Oh, I'm sorry. The month is Zoo and Aquarium Month. The week, Milk Week, just starts today. It's really just the weekend. National CPR and AED Awareness Week starts today. Tomorrow, International Clothesline Week. Fishing and Boating Week starts tomorrow. Lemonade Day starts tomorrow. Sunday begins Bedbug Awareness Week. Canadian Environment Week. End Mountaintop Removal Week. National Business Etiquette Week, Email Week, Fragrance Week, Headache Awareness, Sun Safety, Pet Appreciation, Lemonade Days, Commuter Challenge, and Garden Week. All are during this week, starting either today or sometime throughout the weekend. And then there are daily observances. Holidays, special days, daily observances, such as Atlantic hurricane season starts today dare day, flip a coin day, global day of parents, Heimlich maneuver day, national donut day. We did get donuts in the office today because of that. Uh, National go barefoot day, hazelnut cake day. I've never, never done that before. That sounds good. Uh, Let's see here. National leave the office early day. Well, you heard it folks. It's a day you should leave the office early. Oscar the grouch day. That's all the bosses that, have their barefoot employees just left the office early to go get their free donuts today say something nice day stand for children and world milk day there you go have some milk and some hazelnut cake barefoot leave the office early to get it and uh you're all set the second of june tomorrow saturday drawing day uh let's see here bubba day National Prairies Day. Rocky Road Ice Cream Day. That's a great day. And National Trails Day and Pencil Day. The third, Children's Awareness Memorial. Jefferson Davis Birthday. National Cancer Survivors Day is the third. National Egg Day. Repeat Day, I said. Repeat Day. And World Club Foot Day. The fourth, Audacity to Hope Day. Doodah Doodah Day, which is a salute to silliness. Hug Your Cat Day. Uh, Let's see here. National Cheese Day, Frozen Yogurt Day, and Old Maid's Day. The fifth, Apple II Day, uh, Hot Air Balloon Day, Gingerbread Day, Work at Home Father's Day, and World Environment Day. The sixth, Bonza Bottler Day, because it's 6-6. D-Day Invasion Anniversary, Drive-In Movie Day, Global Running Day, National Applesauce Cake Day, National Gardening Exercise Day, National Higher Education Day, Huntington's Disease, Running, Taylor's Day, Yo-Yo Day, and Russian Language Day. And then the seventh, Daniel Boone Day, Junebug Day, Lobby Day, Chocolate Ice Cream Day, Trial Technology Day, and VCR Day. VCR, Video Recorder VCR Day. Just to name a few, just a few things that are happening this this week, this month, and this day. So we're going to take a short break now. When we come back, a little Stranger Than Fiction, some things that are happening around here, a little interview coming up in about 15 minutes with one of our favorite coworkers, uh, this day in history, and more. So stick around. You're listening to episode 267 of Live Till 5. It's Friday, June 1st. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host, here on KHMG 88.1 FM. Be right back. We're back with a little more Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Episode 267 of Live Till 5, our live local talk and Variety program here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. Thank you for tuning in. There's two hours of this show, and if you ever miss part of it, tune back in on Saturdays from noon to 2 or Sunday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. Or go to our website, khmg.org, and download the podcast. Then you can listen at your leisure. And there's hundreds of podcasts to download, not just from this radio show, but other shows that we produce here locally at KHMG. And we'd love for you to have access to all of that good content. You can look up sermons by topic, by speaker, by Bible passage. You can download different broadcasts we've had here. There's there's many many of the back broadcasts of this show live till five. We'd love for you to tune in. Now, today is National Donut Day. And there are certain professions, certain professions, certain vocations, I guess, that are more associated with donuts than others. If if I was to ask you as a listener, what vocation, what what job, what what type of of person would you say, is usually associated with the donut. I'll give you a second to debate about that in your car at your workplace there. And, and I didn't create this. I'm just an observer of culture. Yes. Well, there's a stereotype, and it might not be accurate, but a stereotype about police officers and donuts. And I have an article here from couple years ago from 2015 actually about where the stereotype about police officers and donuts come from from mental floss magazine let me just read this to you since it is donut day and it hey you know what they could be wrong the stereotype might be totally different some of the most in shape buff men and women i've ever met are police officers so Obviously, not all police officers are eating donuts. However, the stereotype comes from this. In a cliched depiction, according to this article, of a police officer, he's just likely to be holding a donut as he is a gun or a pair of handcuffs. The trope that cops love greasy pastries is tired. But is it true? And how exactly did law enforcement officers become known for this supposed affinity for anything glazed, sprinkled, or frosted? Over at Atlas Obscura, writer Kara Giamo delves into the doughy lore, tracing the unflattering cliches' origin back to the mid 20th century. During this time, Giamo writes, police departments started covering their beats by car instead of by foot. During the graveyard shift, donut shops were convenient late night spots to fill out paperwork, drink coffee, park a cruiser, and make an emergency phone call. A reciprocal relationship was born. The donut shops felt protected with the police on their premises and officers enjoyed having a place to refuel. Some small town donut shops kept special desks for police officers. Other kitchens developed such strong alliances with local law enforcement. The top officers warned cops against accepting the sweet treats for fear they'd appear biased. Soon cops became synonymous with donuts and pop culture immortalized the relationship. However, The relationship between donuts and our country's servicemen goes back, goes even deeper than modern day cop cliches. Giammo points out, in World War I, Salvation Army volunteers served donuts to the soldiers on the front lines of France. In the 1920s, the Red Cross provided free donuts for veterans who were living abroad. In fact, the tradition of serving donuts to America's protective forces can be traced all the way back. Uh, to a New York Times article from 1898 in which volunteers' cooks served a group of soldiers a batch of homemade pastries. The simple gesture of care might have stuck with relief organizations over the years and perhaps helped give rise to the contemporary cop donut stereotypes that we laugh about today. In any case, the hackneyed caricature has a sweet origin story no matter which way you swallow it. Well written, Mental Floss. Well written. And that's why people think of police officers and donuts being, you know, kind of compatible, I guess you could say. Now, I have a little segment I'd like to do, and then we'll take another short break. I like to call it Happy Little Accidents. Fifty inventions discovered by mistake. Charlotte Foltz Jones. It's book provided to me by Helen Metalbrook. Thank you very much, Helen, for this. Handy around the house accidents or things that were not the original intention here. This one has to do with buttons on jacket sleeves. And the article says here on page 41, men's and women's jackets often have two, three, or four buttons on the sleeves near the wrist. But why? Have you ever thought about that? Like a, like a blazer or a jacket will have buttons, but they're not actually holding anything closed. Okay. Well, when handkerchiefs first came into use, they were expensive and mostly for show. Paper facial tissues had not yet been invented. So what did people use to blow their noses? Well, dainty ladies, sophisticated gentlemen, kings, and queens wipe their noses on their sleeves. Ew. Frederick the Great, King of Prussia, was disgusted by this custom. To break his soldiers of the habit, he ordered that buttons be sewn on the soldiers' sleeves. Every time a soldier wiped his nose on a sleeve, the button gave him a good scratch. Today, people are seldom tempted to wipe their noses on their sleeves, but those buttons are still there, just in case. Another story says that in the mid-1800s, men's and women's sleeves were extremely long and wide. In cold weather, the sleeves provided protection against the elements. But when the weather was warm, the cuffs were turned back. Buttons were added to the sleeves to keep the fabric folded back and out of their soup. The buttons became an accepted part of the garment, and they remained even after the original use was forgotten. And that is why there are buttons on sleeves. There you go. A lot of other cool things happening around here. One to say that we are in full summer mode. So some of my regular segment providers are off island. For example, Lawrence Nangast is in the States right now doing a cross-country trek, attending the wedding of Kendrick Infante, one of our own kids. He grew up here at Harvest. His mom's on staff here. Uh, His family has just been an integral part of our ministry, and he's getting married on Friday. June 1st in the Atlanta, greater Atlanta area. So congratulations, Kendrick. If any of you know him, you can contact him on Facebook and send him your well wishes. He'll be coming back to Harvest, and he's one of our music teachers, and his wife will be coming, working with us a little bit. So excited for them. And so we have a number of people from Harvest. They love Kendrick and his family so much that they traveled all the way to the States just to go to the wedding. Probably half a dozen people from Harvest that are there right now. So, including Lawrence Nagengast and his wife Lindsay, they're there, and it's the beginning of their big cross country trek that they're going to be doing all the way from the southeast to the northeast, I believe, and uh, doing a nice little three or four week vacation for them. They deserve it. They've been working hard, but we're going to miss them while they're gone. Then we have also Sebastian Basildua is also off island right now with his wife Jessica, visiting family. You know, they got married back in November, I believe it was. And they uh, have not had a chance to go back and meet all the family and things like that. So now they're going to be back in the States for a couple weeks. So we're going to be missing him as well. So the two of us, the, the three of us aren't going to be the three of us. just going to be me and Chris uh, filling in for the two guys that are gone. So I guess originally there's three guests plus myself. And now there's Chris and myself. So I'm not sure how to break that all down. And then on top of that, the hub, the coffee shop is closed Uh, except for some very limited hours for the next few weeks because they do inventory and deep cleaning and things like that. They're open for a short time each morning, but they're not going to be open on Friday afternoons. So I had to make my own coffee today. Excuse me for a second. And I must say that the coffee that comes from the Hub on a scale of 1 to 10, it's about a 9 or a 10, depending on which roast you get. Plus, all the proceeds go to missions, which is awesome. The coffee I just made from the bag of ground coffee sitting next to the radio station coffee maker on a scale of 1 to 10 is about a 3.2. That's if I'm being generous. So, I really do miss the hub being open, but we understand. Everyone's got a job to do. Now, today... June 1st, let me see if I can fill in for what Lawrence would have normally done this day in history. What's happened on June 1st in history? Uh, Let's see here. Um, 4,000 BC is the approximate domestication of the horse in the Eurasian steppes. That's interesting. Uh, Let's see here. What else has happened this day in history? Kenya became a republic uh, in 1964. 1980, the first transmission of CNN, the cable news network, happened. Uh, Let's see. The Heimlich Maneuver for Rescuing Choking Victims was published in the Journal of Emergency Medicine on June 1st, 1974. Famous Birthdays, June 1st. Brigham Young, Marilyn Monroe, Morgan Freeman, Heidi Klum. And uh, let's see. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, let's see, what else happened this day in history? Architect Franklin Lloyd Wright, at 21, wed socialite Catherine Tobin, 1889. We have a Franklin Lloyd Wright house in the neighborhood, not too far from where my brother lives. 1925, businessman Howard Hughes married his first wife, Ella Rice. He's the guy who became very eccentric but was super wealthy and you know broke a bunch of records and built... All kinds of crazy things. Charlie Chaplin uh, got married on this day in history. It's a very popular day to get married, I believe, uh, because it's the beginning of the summer, of course. Uh, let's see. Who died this day in history? Let's see. John Dewey, speaking of libraries, died in 1952. Adolf Eichmann, 1962. Curly Lambeau. As in Lambeau Field, Don, Brian, anyone, anyone, 1898 to 1965. Helen Keller died this day in 1968. Uh, Let's see who else. And uh, famous days, let's see here. Uh, Princess Elizabeth was in Africa when her father died and she became queen. Her coronation on this day in history could be described as a magnificent washout. Don't know why it says that. Dunkirk uh, happened on June 4th. That's coming up this weekend. Trapped on the beaches and a sitting target for German fighter planes and bombers. 330,000 Allied troops looked doomed. Then came the miracle of Dunkirk. That was this weekend in history. So many things happen this day in history. I want to share those with you. Now, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I have a special guest who's going to be up here. Kind of a, a wingman so to speak, for the rest of the hour. So stick around. You're listening to Live Till 5 here on KHMG, 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. Check us out online at khmg.org. You can listen to the stream there. So even if you don't have a radio, you can listen to the radio. Let us know you're listening by going to our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio Guam. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a private message. Follow us, subscribe, and uh, you'll be updated every time we send out a new podcast or a new picture or some new article link and we'd love to stay in touch with you that way and uh yeah stick around we'll have a little more live till five after this short break back with a little more live till five it's friday june 1st three thirty-seven p.m here at the khmg studios glad to have you with us joined in studio by chris harper all around good guy and station manager
1: chris how are you doing today great did you get some of that mediocre coffee also i like it i will i put in order to i didn't drink it black so okay it's, i had fair warning so I put some coconut coffee creamer in there. There you go. Tastes
0: all right. There you go. Well that and that raises it because I gave it, I think, a three point two rating on a one to ten scale. It's like that, a three point five now. There you go. There you go. And then of course we have someone that's that's really good at making coffee here. No stranger to the radio show. If you've listened maybe two years ago, I think she was up here with us. She's been on it at least once or twice. Her brother is on the show every week. Matter of fact, her her sister in law is the Highest rated guest we've ever had. More people talk about her sister in law's interviews than any, anything else I've ever done. So, uh, this is Abby Nagengast, Lawrence Nagengast's baby sister, and it's her birthday, June 1st. Abby, happy birthday. Thank you. All right. Now, Abby, uh, uh, how old are you today?
2: I am 23.
0: 23 years old. And uh, what are you doing special for your birthday this weekend?
2: Well, the highlight would be being with my parents t- yes. for tonight, and we are going to CPK.
0: Oh, what is CPK? What's that?
2: California Pizza Kitchen.
0: Oh, oh yeah. that is really a good place. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing to eat there?
2: The Thai salad.
0: Oh man, that is good stuff. And then, uh, now Lawrence and Lindsay are off island, but your other sister is coming on island this weekend, right? Yes, yes. And you get to celebrate your birthday really kind of two days because yeah. it's, your, it's still your birthday in the states tomorrow here. Right. right, That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you could be with us today. Thank you, Abby. Um, now, what a lot of our listeners don't know is Abby works in our office with with us here. So she moved here at the same time her mom and dad moved here, and she is uh, she works in different places on campus. Maybe let's let's tell some of our listeners what are your different jobs on campus.
2: Well, the only one that I'm not in the office is I'm in the cafeteria.
0: What do they have you doing in there?
2: Um, they have me to make a lot of things like chili.
0: Mm. Chili happens to be one of my favorite foods.
1: It's popular. Ab- it's very popular. Oh, yeah. Abby it's and I too. have a
0: lot of things in common. We like a lot of the same things, like yep. cold pizza, mm-hmm. right? We yep. both like that. Yep. Uh, we we both like making coffee mm-hmm. and drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. So that's what we have in common. Now, in the office area, you're you doing a lot of jobs for us. What are some of the things they have you working on in the office?
2: Um, well, I do mail.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's an important job. It is. Matter of fact, when someone's waiting for something special to come in the mail, the person that sorts the mail is the most important person in their life for those few moments. So there you go. You have a very important job. And then um, moving to Guam from Michigan, what, what has been the most fun part of moving to Guam from Michigan and what's been the most difficult part of moving to Guam?
2: Which one am I gonna do the,
0: the most fun? Give us the what's what do you like the most about moving to Guam from Michigan?
2: Um, I get to be with my brother and my sister in law.
0: Yeah, yeah, all right. And then what's been the hardest part about moving here?
2: That I miss my friends a lot back in the States.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's gotta be hard. Now, when you moved here with your parents, your grandma also came too.
2: Yes, we did.
0: Yeah. Now that's that's pretty brave because um I don't want to say that she's old, but she's older. I mean, she's isn't she in her she can be in her 90, 91. 91?
2: Well, she's so 90 right now. Yep. But she will be 91 um June 18th.
0: That's wow. pretty brave to move to Guam at 90 years old and become and be spend your 91st birthday on Guam. Yeah. That's that's really something. So Now, Abby, you get to work here at Harvest and get to work in the cafeteria and the office and things like that. Um, When you uh, come to work every day, is is Harvest like the school that you had uh, graduated high school from? Is it a lot like it or is it different?
2: It's a lot different.
0: What's different about it?
2: Well, first off, it's not like everywhere. Like the cafeteria... Is not in the school. It's outside.
0: Hmm. So separate buildings. Yeah, and everything. separate yeah. buildings. Yeah. So this, so this place is a little bigger than the school that you yes, were at. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And your dad was the principal of that school, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you guys have uh, education in your blood, I guess. So <laughs> now, um, Abby. <clears throat> It's your birthday, so okay. did are you getting any special gifts or is there anything uh, that you were hoping to get as a special gift on your birthday?
2: Well, I am hoping to get a CD player.
0: Oh, wow, yeah. And um, who's your favorite Christian music singer?
2: <laughs> you all know him um he's in utah right now and his name is kevin in
0: that's right kevin Inafuku, my good friend mm-hmm. chris's good friend your good friend mm-hmm. and he is a very good singer i think he even did he send you a happy birthday note today on the whatsapp
2: he did he, that's he cool. did yeah cool. um your wife told me
0: yes he's at the wedding for kenny infante um, where where your brother's at right now yeah. He's actually with your brother right yeah. now So that's that's neat Back in the Atlanta area Cool Well this is what we're going to do We're going to take a short break And then when we come back Abby has uh, worked very hard To be really good at scripture memory And things like that And so in the, when we come back from the break I'm going to have her do a little of her scripture memory for us I think she did this for us two years ago When she was up here too mm-hmm. So we'll take a short break And listeners, you stick around. You're listening to Live Till 5 on this Friday, June 1st here at the KHMG Studios, episode 267. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. If you ever miss part of the show, Saturdays, noon to 2, Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m., catch us on The Rebound on 88.1 FM or online at khmg.org. More Live Till 5 after this short break. And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. Still joined in studio by Abby Nagengast. Abby, I'm glad you're with us on the radio today. Thank you. Um, I want to read... Every week I do these silly stories that I come across in the news. I call them stranger than fiction because a lot of times true stories are actually more unusual than made-up stories. Like this one, for example. I want to get your thoughts on this. So I'm going to read the story here from Reuters out of Melbourne, Australia. Kangaroos are one of Australia's biggest tourist draws, but visitors to one park are getting more than they bargained for. Tourists at Lake Macquarie, a two-hour train ride from Sydney, are ignoring warnings and feeding carrots to kangaroos who become aggressive at the sight of their favorite sugary snack, tour operator said. Each week, thousands of people flock to see the kangaroos on grassy slopes near the psychiatric hospital enticed by travel blogs promising adorable wild kangaroos that are tame enough to get close to and take photos with. Carrots in hand, the tourists approach the kangaroos, seeking a selfie with an Australian symbol that graces the country's coat of arms. It doesn't always end well. A photo posted by a tour operator on Facebook showed a kangaroo leaping up and kicking a tourist with his powerful legs. Other photos showed a woman with scratches on her face and a man with a bloody gouge on his stomach Quote, kangaroos can occasionally be aggressive no matter what the circumstances are, but 90% of the time it's the people who are trying to feed them who are attacked. Shane Lewis, who operates a tourist shuttle service to the park. Lewis said he showed the photos of injuries to tourists as a reminder of the damage the wild animals can do. Michelle Shaw, a nutritionist at the Sydney Taronga Zoo, said the kangaroos had likely become addicted to the carrots, a high sugar food that is bad for marsupials. She said, when they see people coming, they get anxiety. The sugar is on its way, and they're going to be very aggressive to feed that addiction. So, Abby, kangaroos that are addicted to carrots, and then they attack people. What What do you think of that?
2: I really don't know.
0: <laughs> it's So, have you ever seen a kangaroo in, like, a live kangaroo before?
2: Uh, no, I have not, but in a movie, I have.
0: Okay. Well, they have them at zoos and things like that but uh in australia they have them at a zoo and you can actually go up and you can feed them but you don't feed them things like carrots and stuff like that you feed them like these little pellets like rabbit pellets but um okay so now abby i wanted to take a minute here and have you quote some scripture uh from psalm 139 so you go ahead and quote us uh the first 14 verses of psalm 139
2: okay thank you O Lord, thou seest me and know me; thou knowest my down and mine uprising; thou knowest my thoughts afar off; thou compassed my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and lay the hand upon me. Such knowledge is too harmful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my back in the house, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning, and dwelt in uttermost parts of the sea. Even there saw the hand leave me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely thy darkness will cover me, even the night shall lie about me. Yea, the night hideth not from me, the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee. Christ, faithfully, I want to made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well.
0: All right. Man, that was great. Now, uh, you said one of these verses is your life verse. Which one is that?
2: Verse 14.
0: Okay. Why don't you Quote that verse for us one more time.
2: I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well.
0: So, what does that verse mean? What is it talking about?
2: Well, the the first part of it, it means that basically, when God created me, that I was meant to praise Him. And um, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So, when he made me, I can praise him.
0: Amen. All right. And then, uh, why do you like that verse so much? Out of all the verses in the Bible, why do you like that one?
2: Because it's the way that God made me.
0: Hmm. All right. And God made each one of us different. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're not, nobody's perfect, uh, but God made each one of us very unique and special. And uh, gives us different gifts and talents. And so uh, God's given you some really special gifts. Abby, having you work in the office with us has been a lot of fun for us this year. You're, you're a, uh, almost always cheerful person. I'm sure there's days where it's you're like everyone else, where it's not that much fun. But you're a pretty cheerful person, and you're always one of those ones, like what Chris said, where you notice when people come in, and you always greet them very kindly and yeah. things like that. And I notice that you're a very compassionate person when someone mm-hmm. else is sad, you get sad, too. I yeah. noticed that, so, yeah. or if someone's hurting, you like to give them a hug and things like right. that. So have you always been like that?
2: um not well, technically, it was when God made me. I mean, mm. I have to realize that i'm not like I'm not like other people, and when I see someone who fell or someone who is sad um i just encourage them that's what i do
0: yeah well that's a great gift and a a great uh ministry to have is the ministry of encouraging people because whether you live in michigan or you live in guam uh no matter where you're at there's always people that need encouragement there's always someone that's hurting or sad and uh that could be encouraged so now, um, Abby, we have about maybe two or three minutes left before we need to go to the news. So I want to just talk about um, uh, what you, how you are able to be a blessing to people by encouraging them. So when you see someone hurting, what makes you—why do you want to go over and give them a hug? Why do you always want to go over and encourage them? What is it that—like, that, in your heart, like, why do you want to do that?
2: Because of in the Bible, um, it talks about the Samaritan woman, or a guy fell, and someone uh, passed him by on the road, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, and I see that we need to help that person, and. Because God, in the Bible, it says that we have to be, um, be, be friend to them. We have to love them. Even though when people hurt us, we still have to love them. No, no, no matter what. And I believe that's true. And so when, when they're hurting, um, I, wanted to, to help that person to get up and keep going because that's what God wants us to do.
0: And that's, that's great. I mean, that's, that's a great ministry to have. That's a great example. And I know that um, uh, God will use you to be an encouragement to people. I think when you're willing to have a, a ministry like that, then God will always put people in your path. That you can encourage. Right. Have you been able to uh, encourage anyone lately?
2: Um. Well, someone. Can I say their name or not?
0: Maybe. Maybe we won't say their name. We'll okay. just we'll we'll let people kind of imagine who it might okay. be. But.
2: okay. Well, someone in the office and I was in there. Someone fell and um and tripped over something and, um, was in pain, and I saw this woman on the couch, and Tammy Baldwin was talking to her, and I wanted to know what happened, and when I heard what happened, I went over there, and, uh. And when Tim Ryan was gone, doing something, I was talking to this person, and um, I encouraged her to go on and not to worry about, like, how she felt, um, but to focus on getting better.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. Abby you're you're uh, going to be used greatly by the Lord I believe with that kind of ministry and that kind of heart. So thank you so much for coming on the oh, show you're today. No problem. That was awesome. We'll have you back again in the month of July, okay? Okay. okay? All right, you and I will pick a date next time we're in the office we'll pick a date, all right?
2: Okay. That's okay. Fine. All right. That's fine. Say
0: goodbye to all the people listening.
2: <laughs> Bye. I love you guys. And for my mom and my grandma who's listening, thank you so much and I love you guys.
0: All right. Thank you, Abby. You're welcome. Uh, That's Abby Nagengast, sister to Lawrence Nagengast, and uh, a guest on the show today. It's her birthday. So if you see Abby, wish her a happy birthday. 23 years young. And uh, we're going to take a break. For the news, we have a whole other hour of Live Till 5 coming up. Stick around for SRN News. You're listening to KHMG, 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata Guam. Stick around for a second hour of Live Till 5. little more live till five wasn't it fun to have abby nangas on the radio with us first hour she's going to come back next month talk a little bit about her own life story with down syndrome and how she as someone with down syndrome how god has made her wants other people what she wants other people to know about down syndrome and her testimony with that and how people that get to know her how they should treat her and, and and how they should think about people with Down syndrome. So I think that'll be a really great testimony. So really enjoyed having Abby up here with us. And I didn't want to embarrass her on the radio, but she really is a ray of sunshine in our offices. So uh, Abby's been working with us now since February, I believe it is. And um, every day that she's in the office, it's really uh, just a blessing. She's She's very helpful. She she makes coffee for us. She does the mail run. She works with us, but she's always very alert if if someone's hurting or sad or whatever. She's just always right there to give them a hug, and um, I give her high fives for the most part because I'm not much of a hugger. However, you know, on occasion, I might even slip a little hug in there as well. So now we're in the second hour of Live Till Five, and one of our listeners, TP, it's that stands not for what you think it does. But anyway, TP sent me a note to remind our listeners that there's a summer devotional reading plan called Word with Zach on the Keys for Kids website. That's www.keysforkids.org, www.keysforkids.org, and you can click on Word with Zach, stay in God's Word all year, and there's a summer reading program there. And you can sign up, you can download the calendar, uh, you can do all these different things uh, with that little program there. And so I encourage you to check that out if you're looking for a summer reading program for your children especially. Great way to engage them in God's word. I have a couple Stranger Than Fiction stories for you here in the second hour. Now, we've been doing Stranger Than Fiction stories. I remember talking with John Collier, brainstorming, what would we do if we ever had, back then we were talking about could we even fill one hour of a show? And then what would we call it? And then it kind of changed into, okay, so if we could do an hour alive until five or something like that. And then we started talking about what would we fill the show with? Could we do news? Would we do sports? Would we do weather? And then eventually I came across the idea of having kind of strange stories. A lot of Radio and television programs do this, where they'll throw in a strange story. The newscast usually will do that. In the states, you'll notice, like where there's a large news outlet, they'll have a unusual story or something like that, some kind of human interest story, whatever. And so, to follow that pattern, as I come across unusual news stories or other people come across unusual news stories, I try to use those on the show as just something fun to talk about and great conversation piece, and. Surprisingly, I think these are the things that people remember of the Live Till 5 broadcast more than anything else. Um that and the what's in my coffee when we really get crazy and people start, you know, we we get a lot of feedback on that as well and uh, almost always good feedback by the way. But so these stories I just call it stranger than fiction. I l- write a little STF on the corner because It's uh, stranger than fiction, and oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction. So here you go. Here's one I saw today that I thought was very interesting. A lot of stranger than fiction stories coming out of China, by the way. Yaji Mountain, China. On Yaji Mountain in southern China, they are checking in sows at a 1,000 head per floor high-rise hog hotel. Privately owned agricultural company. I can't pronounce the name, is running a two, two seven-floor sow breeding operations and is putting up four more, including one with as many as 13 floors that will be the world's tallest building of its kind. Hog farms of two or three floors have been tried in Europe. Some are still operating. Others have been abandoned. But few new ones have been built in recent years because of the management difficulties and public resistance to large, intensive farms. Now, as China pushes ahead with industrialization of the world's largest hog herd, part of a 30-year effort to modernize its farm sector and create wealth in rural areas, companies are experimenting with high-rise housing for pigs. Despite the costs, these quote-unquote hotels show how far some breeders will go uh, are willing to go as China overhauls its farming model. And basically it goes on to talk about this and there are pictures and things like that. You can check it out on Reuters, but a seven story hog high rise or hog hotel. And they have elevators and everything. I mean, it's not like they have to take the stairs. They have elevators. They take these, I guess, different floors, different age of, of hogs. And they use these for, it's a hog hotel. I mean, you know, be careful when you book something on Airbnb folks in Southern China, if it says Hog Hotel, it might be literally, literally uh, talking about that. Anyway, another animal thing here. You've you've probably followed this story. We've talked about it a couple times over the last number of years because it just keeps, it just won't go away. It's like a bad penny. It just keeps turning up. Federal appeals court tossed out a lawsuit filed on behalf of a monkey attempting to collect on a copyright violation. Animal rights group PETA. Uh, Let's see, um, people for the ethical treatment of animals, I believe it is, sued a British photographer last year after he took payment for a selfie photograph snapped by an inquisitive crested uh, uh, macaw in 2011. According to PETA lawyers who brought the suit, the copyright for the photograph belongs to the creature that pressed the button to drop the shutter on David Slater's camera. Slater claimed the photo belonged to him because he set up the shot. A district court ruled in Slater's favor and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals dismissed PETA's case on April 23rd, stating that the monkeys lack standing to sue and that animals cannot hold copyrights. There you go. Here's another animal one. It would usually be safe to assume that an egg weighing three pounds and measuring 28 inches around isn't real. That's what curators at the Buffalo Museum of Science thought about a model uh, they had of an extinct elephant bird until they realized while cataloging their collection that the egg wasn't a model. The mislabeled egg in Buffalo, New York is one of the relatively few real eggs left by the extinct elephant bird, a flightless creature that was native to Madagascar and typically grew to weigh about a 1,000 pounds. The egg is now on display at the museum. That's a big egg. And the elephant bird, I think, is kind of like the idea they have in the movie Up, and they go and find this, like, flightless bird. Anyway, here's one. The Runner's. May have been slow, so it wasn't Ben Middlebrook or Chris Hurlbert, but the event sold out fast. Event organizers for the inaugural Burn B O E R N E Burn, Texas, right outside of San Antonio. There been there many times. Beautiful k race announced April eighteenth. That there were no more tickets left for the unusual May fifth race, stretching just five hundred forty six yards. Join your fellow underachiever for a day, actually more like 10 minutes of glory, celebration and participation trophies, the event website advertised. The half kilometer race also featured a rest stop at a, the halfway point where runners could refill on coffee and donuts or um go to the designated smoking areas. Runners who competed in this completed this event got a t-shirt and what the website called a pretentious oval eurostyle 0.5k sticker. That's hilarious. A pretentious, oval, Euro-style, .5K sticker. And that is, isn't that so true? I might or might not have had stickers like that on my vehicles in the past. Uh, Here's another one. Concern that panhandlers, that's uh, people that beg for money and ask for handouts and things like that. Panhandlers and loiterers, people that just hang out and kind of cause a nuisance, We're making customers feel unsafe. The 7-Eleven convenience store chain has turned to Mozart and Bach. Stores with problem loiterers are using outdoor speakers to blast classical music, and it seems to be prompting non-customers to leave. Manuel Souza, a homeless man in Modesto, California, told the Modesto Bee that the music makes it difficult for non-customers to, quote-unquote, hang out and gossip and joke around, end quote, at the 7-Eleven. The chain reports... A very positive feedback from customers about the atmosphere created by the music devices. So, basically, the loiterers and panhandlers don't like classical music. The problem is then you're going to have like the whole Harvest music staff hanging out outside of 7-Eleven, and then what are you going to do? How about this one? Uh, let's see here. Here's one more animal one we will be done. Many Americans have long considered the University of California, Berkeley to be a campus full of nuts. So it makes sense that the squirrel would become the university's leader. Last month, sophomore Stephen Boyle's joke candidate, Furry Boy, garnered more than 500 votes in student Senate elections, enough to earn one of the body's 20 seats. Boyle, who appeared in a squirrel costume on social media advertisements as Furry Boy, said he plans to take the legislative seat. Editors of the student newspaper, the Daily Californian, were not amused. It's a shocking display of privilege to vote for a squirrel over candidates who have actual plans to help the students. Well, you know what? Maybe we need to give them a pretentious Euro-style oval sticker, and they'll feel better about that. Anyway, that's a you know reference to a previous story that I just read. For those, you know, when my kids were little, they used to say, "Dad, if you have to explain it, it's not that funny." So take that for what you will. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Live Till Five, Episode 267, on this Friday, June 1st, 4:15 p.m. Glad to have you with us. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. If you ever miss part of the show, by the way, noon to two on Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday night. Say it with me. Noon to two Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday night. Catch us on The Rebound when we rebroadcast the show in its entirety here on 88.1 FM or streamed through our website at khmg.org. We do that because we know not everyone can listen to two straight hours of radio. You you folks are busy. Some of you guys are in and out of your cars, you're in and out of the office, and you're just catching a few minutes here or there. Don't don't be alarmed. There's also the podcast option. Go to khmg.org, download the podcast of this show. It'll be available later this evening. And what's really cool is you can share that on your social media. So you can send a link out to your thousands and thousands of Facebook friends. And let them know that this was a great episode to listen to. And we appreciate it when you do. Speaking of social media, you can let us know you're listening by sending us a private message through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio Guam. We love to hear from you. And we hear from people regularly on the streets, online. We just love to hear from you. So please let us know you're listening. We really appreciate it. We're going to take a short break. A few little spots to listen to here. And then when we come back, got Chris Harper, all-around good guy, station manager, bringing some news for us. And I uh, got a couple more articles And this theme today, although it's been kind of random. We're doing summer 2.0 because we had so much summer stuff from last week that we need to talk about that I'm going to pass on to you. So more Live Till 5 after this short break. And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. Joining the studio, Chris Harper. All-around good guy, station manager, resident newscaster, uh, basket weaving apprentice, um, journeyman um, at helping people select fake eyelashes, and um, overall, just a a jack-of-all-trades, I must say. Square Dancing is in his portfolio as well. And um, he has actually uh, caught Northwest Pacific sturgeon barehanded with his non-dominant hand, which is that's like twice as hard. Welcome back, Chris. Glad to
1: have you here. Thanks. Thanks for that introduction. I like to I, I like to build it. it up a little bit. Some of that may or may not be true. It's it's that that's the thing about it is that's I I'm not going to give an introduction like that because it will undermine yeah. the credibility of the news.
0: <laughs> the news brought to you by the guy that caught yeah. may or may not have caught uh, Northwest Pacific sturgeon with his non dominant hand. Sturgeon, yeah. I'd yeah. never
1: heard of north. I've heard of Northwest Pacific salmon, sturgeon. That's more of it's a more mid, of a, it's even more west.
0: Well, you know, it's even more rare yeah oh, it's rare. It's like right. super rare and I they're like 600 it's... pounds so yeah. yeah what
1: i have done is i've shot um with a bow and a string on it i've shot um uh carp okay have you ever seen that oh yeah that?
0: yeah and their their scales yeah. are like are like armor yeah that's well yeah. you have to shoot them with a broad right yeah right
1: and uh you have to get rid of them they had a bounty on them in yeah. in uh where the invasive I grew species,
0: up. yeah, and right. uh, basically you don't eat them or
1: anything. You no. can't eat them. No, but uh, they just need them killed. Yeah, so yep. you can take a, a bow, a compound bow, you basically attach a an, a an attachment to it, and then you know fire from the boat. Yep. And there's so many of them in some places where they're just swimming over the top mm-hmm. of each other, yep. and it's literally shooting fish in a barrel. Yep. Except there's not a barrel, like, right. so I guess it's yeah. not. It's been, literal. It, but the picture the, idea, the word picture, the picture is there it's shooting fish in a barrel absolutely it's actually not that fun it sounds See, like it's going to be fun but it's actually it's not it's so that boring
0: fun. yeah Yeah. well and Bloody you know business, the too. reason i give these crazy intros is it just it always sparks a conversation about something hey. that is related to the truth so whether or not my intro is true right. it always <laughs> leads to something else i try and throw out enough things that it's going to lead to something
1: yeah well, should I do so the let's, news us Hey, let's
0: get to the the verifiably true parts of our show.
1: Okay. Well, most of these items from SRN News, and I'll get into where else uh, I get some of the news as we, uh, as we move through. But these are some follow-ups on some of the stories that we've done previously. North Korea seems to be in the news most of the time on a Friday afternoon. The United States on Thursday... Uh, There will be a North Korea story in a moment, but let me start with this. The United States on Thursday said it will impose tariffs on aluminum and steel imports from Canada, Mexico, and the European Union, reigniting investor fears of a global trade war as Washington's allies took steps to retaliate against U.S. goods. Now, just keep in mind, uh, we're talking about Canada, Mexico, and the European Union, Generally perceived to be allies of the United States. The move announced by the U.S. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross in a telephone briefing on Thursday ended months of uncertainty about the potential tariffs or exemptions and uh, suggested a hardening of the Trump administration's approach to trade negotiations. Now, this was also. Um, uh, making an impact on the markets because the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 1%. The S&P 500 was off 0.6. Shares of industrial heavyweights Boeing fell 1.5%, while those of Caterpillar shed 2%. A 25% tariff on steel imports and a 10% tariff on aluminum imports will be imposed on the EU, Canada, and Mexico starting At midnight. I believe this was a a Thursday night story, so midnight Thursday. And the U.S. government on Tuesday released an alert with technical details about a series of cyber attacks stretching back to at least 2009 that it blamed on the North Korean government. Now, the warning is the third from the Department of Homeland Security and the Federal Bureau of Investigation about hacking operations it dubbed. Hidden Cobra, that the United States charges are being launched by Pyongyang. Now, a representative with Pyongyang's mission to the United Nations declined to comment. I suppose not surprising. A Department of Homeland Security official said the U.S. government is confident of North Koreans, uh, their government involvement, and they are behind these cyber operations, which it says targets media, aerospace, and financial sectors, and also critical infrastructure in the United States and around the globe. So there's a potential for a summit, but behind the scenes, still some other things happening. Um, I also read a headline on the ChristianDailyReporter.com. Just the headline. I didn't click on the story yet, but it's regarding uh, the number of potential. Uh, Christian um, uh, prisoners that are in gulags in North Korea. I didn't know what to call them. I guess yeah, we could yeah. just call them uh, a gulag prisoners. Would be similar yeah. term. Yeah. yeah, they're basically uh, being persecuted yeah for their for their faith, and so um, yeah, there's a lot still going on behind the scenes. Right. So I would say, uh, don't be too jovial and. Uh, optimistic right. about that which is taking place this summit There's and a the Christian Daily
0: Reporter is Adam Ford's new news site right yes. yes and I was going to mention
1: that again yeah. because I I basically I monitored it all week to sort of get a, a better feel of it mm-hmm. and I can probably mention that now so what I want what I I listened to the episode last week and I thought as I listened to it I never really mentioned that the Christian Daily Reporter had uh, headlines of interest to believers. Mm -hmm. So that's like the whole point of it. And what I found myself doing, I know it must be pretty good because I don't click on a lot of headlines, Mm -hmm. but I found myself going to it and then I would click one headline and I would click the next and I would click the next. And they were genuinely of interest. And like I said, that's not always the case, but- Do they generate any of their own uh,
0: content or are they just more of a collection point? Like you had mentioned Drudge last week, how- Really, he writes maybe an editorial or something, but most of it's collected. Right. And
1: that's what, similar to what we've got going on with the Christian Daily Reporter. I noticed that for a couple of days, he's had a podcast on there. So it's about a 30 minute podcast. And I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I kind of listened to the intro and he was talking about some books he was reading and things. Um, That's Adam Ford. And then, uh, but most of the site is just an aggregation tool and what they're basically doing is writing the headlines and then linking them to news sources off of that site. And the thing about that is you have to have somebody who is insightful enough to both write the headline right to sum up the material on the you know behind that link. Yeah. And he's obviously a very clever yes person. Um, with the Adam Four comics yep. Yep. and the, uh, the Babylon Bee. So he does a very good job. He, uh, for me, he is equipped to do it. And uh, so it's a, it's a great aggregator. Um, you do have to go to the website, christiandailyreporter.com, but it does give you links to a bunch of different news websites, which I would recommend if you're, if you're concerned about the credibility of news, read widely. Yeah. And you'll get a better idea. But let me Excellent. just do the last uh, story that I had for today, um, which is interesting. It's in our, our area of the world, again, shrouded in Chinese military secrecy and hidden from the eyes of journalists, Beijing's buildup of a man-made or man-made islands on the reefs in the maritime heart of the Southeast Asian Sea is a vexing story to report. Writer's deputy head of graphics, Simon Scar, which this isn't – I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, He's based in Singapore, and he had previously dealt with private sector satellite imagery that provided um, uh, details that he felt could be helpful in finding out exactly what's happening in the South China Sea. So late last year, in a conversation with Earthrise Media – an independent group helping journalists obtain and analyze satellite data. This employee of Reuters, um, uh, he was wondering and asked them about a possible count of buildings on China's seven man-made islands in the Spartly Archipelago. And this is a hotly contested area of the world, always in dispute as to who owns these islands and these waterways. Uh, during a six-week period, Earthrise digitally scrutinized hundreds of images dating back to 2014, when China started rapidly building on those islands. And Reuters journalists checked that data with a range of military and academic contact uh, contacts, and on a spreadsheet of figures confirming extensive construction across the South China Sea, one number stood out: the Subi Reef was home to nearly. 400 buildings. Whoa. More than expected, and nearly double the number of the similar islands. Now, I thought this was interesting because basically it was a curious Reuters employee who had worked in the private sector on some technology and had the foresight to say, Hey, could you check out this? Right. um, Could you check out this area of the world? Because we don't know much about it. And so there's a lengthy article on srnnews.com about this that is pretty interesting. And you also get the idea that um, maybe China's motives aren't 100% pure as the driven snow Mm. um, in regard to this part of the world. So it's a dangerous world that we live in. Yes, it is. But I thought that was, for our neck of the woods, a very interesting developing story.
0: Yeah, China's kind of creating their own Mariana's Islands uh, in this region, right. to right. same strategic reasons. So yeah,
1: and and if you think about, it's been happening just since 2014. So we're talking about four years, and we're talking about a rapid and massive build up. Yeah, and uh, it goes into some detail on uh, SRNNews.com, and and it links you to a couple other sources as well on that uh, info. But thought it was interesting. Very interesting. Very very disturbing um okay so
0: i'm gonna take a break here in a second and and when i come back i'm gonna have uh some some listener submitted content from troy the boy troy the boy prince I'm trying to come up with a cool Troy name. Troy the for Boy. Troy the Boy Prince. Because Boy Prince, you know, but Boy Prince. Oh. And he's Troy the Boy. Oh, I Troy see. the Boy Prince. I got to keep working on it. I didn't I don't, catch it the first time. Yeah, I know. And, and, and when you have to explain it, maybe it's not that good. But anyway, Troy provided me with some great content, which ties into my topic, Summer 2.0. Before I go to that, and I know we could talk about this for two hours, so we are setting a time limit of okay. five minutes on this topic.
1: Oh, is this something I'm, I'm going to rant yes. about or rave it's about? A rave, rave, rave,
0: not Hopefully. rant. Hopefully, good, good, not, good. Not like my grape jelly sidetrack last week. Um, I'm, I'm considering becoming a European, really worldwide, but European soccer fan. Wow. Selecting a team. So, yes. Selecting a club. And uh, maybe maybe a club in each of the major, you know, but oh, but wow. at least pick one. I want to pick one, right, and root for that club. And I'm gonna. I've been watching a few YouTube videos for sure. Americans. First off, understanding UEFA, understanding how the different um, confederations work, understanding the difference between the cups within the national leagues, and yeah. then the overall uh, how all the different leagues all come together for the one big and kind of how the timing works and what it means to loan a player so i've been trying to get my knowledge base built up because i understand a lot about football or soccer but what i didn't understand was how all the leagues work together and i'm familiar with the names of a lot of teams leicester and uh you know real madrid and all these different ones but that's interesting you got leicester and you got
1: real madrid those are two quite different teams
0: i know and (laughs) but you know they both sold a lot of jerseys in the last couple years and then i know some of the big name players but i'd like to Work my way, and so what I'm thinking about doing, Chris, is taking just a few minutes, because it probably doesn't appeal to most of our listeners, but I wanna work through this, and I, I'm gonna use your advice, because you have a lot of knowledge in this, and I, am, I think I've decided I'm going to do it. I'm gonna okay. I'm going to pick a team. I wanna go through the process of doing yeah. my research, pick a team, and I'm gonna root for that team. And okay. um, I just, you know, I think it'd be fun to follow a team, a club, and then probably keep an eye on the national, the, the nation by nation. Um, because, you know, with the CONCACAF and different things like that, you know, with, with the U.S. versus Mexico, Belize, all these, I, I think it'd be very interesting to keep up on that as well. Yes. I like MLS a little bit just because it's, it's like the Americanized version, right? You, you don't have to keep a close eye on it. It's kind of popular, coming from kansas city of course with the sporting it's becoming they're trying to become uh soccer usa there, they're yeah. um, putting a lot of time and money into that so anyway i just want to let you know so can you give me the first bit of advice you would give to someone that is wanting to venture into rooting for a european soccer club
1: okay well i I did this. I decided I, I remember what you, you saying did. this. I remember I you saying this. I decided to become a soccer fan. Right. Right. Because I was trying to avoid another hobby that I was I had sort of just crept into and I was mm-hmm. listening to a lot of talk radio and stuff. So I decided to become a fan, right. I mean, it was right. just, it was not like oh, I just found it and then right. I, I made a right. decision. So you're and you're I'm on a, the right direction. And I'm here. an
0: armchair. Like I like soccer. Like I ref soccer games here. Oh, yeah. My son played soccer, so I like it, but yeah. I don't just sit and watch or listen to it regularly. It's very irregular for me. So yeah. I figure maybe if I pick a team, and since you've okay. gone down this path, I would be interested in it more specifically, and then I could kind of follow one, especially pick one. Club that I could get really interested in, follow their players and stuff like that?
1: Well, first of all, I'm a big proponent of following your US based team. Mm -hmm. So I would say you already got sporting, Sporting. so you're good there. Right. I I also. And there's overlaps because some of these players, you know, they go back and forth to teams. But the most accessible league in the States is the English Premier League. Mm -hmm. And since it's in English, You've got some advantages there. And if you go try to find clips on YouTube, they're going to be in English. You're going to have some advantages there. But the Bundesliga in Germany also has an English-speaking YouTube channel. And La Liga, you can't get almost anything. So Barcelona, Real Madrid, those teams in La Liga, which is the Spanish league, mm-hmm. you can't get much in English. The other accessible league, oddly enough, is the French league, Ligue 1 or League One in Spain Mm -hmm. and in France very accessible. They got YouTube channels. You can see every highlight in English. So if you're thinking about English, you're probably good with either the English League, Premier League, Bundesliga, which is German, and the French League, Ligue 1. I'm not too sure about the Italian league. I I have never found any Italian league ha- highlights even on YouTube that are in English. Very difficult to find that. So, you kind of ruled out of those a little bit. Right, right, right. So, you, it either needs to be a team in um in England or Germany. England, Germany, they've got great teams. Right, right. History is unbelievable. Yeah. Stadiums are unbelievable. I mean, you're going to you're going to find some things that you latch onto. Yeah. If you like big crowds and a lot of excitement, you could go for like a Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund in, in um, the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Yellow stands. They got 90,000 people there, 85,000 wow. wow. people there every single week. They're insane. They're crazy. And Christian Pulisic, who's a U.S. Mm-hmm. national team yep. player, yep. is one of their main players. And uh, But in the Premier League... You might want to stay away from the big teams because everybody's a fan of the big teams, right? True, true. Uh, Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, you know, Tottenham. Uh, S- is Sunderland? Is that still a Sunderland? Is now in? The they get championship. relegated. They got relegated That's last right. year. That's right. And so they're in the Championship okay. now, which is all the right. league down. Right. I like. I said. I could. G- you. Right. You said. I could yeah. go on all day, but right. I would stick with probably the Premier League or the Bundesliga. Okay. And then. If you want details off the air, yeah, I can provide I'll, those. Uh,
0: this is going to be a – we'll take less than five minutes every week, but yeah. I want to go through yeah. this process because I, I I, really want to become a fan. And yes. I want it to overlap. I've got family members and friends that are really into soccer as well, and they follow it, and I want to be able to have intelligent conversations. I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy watching. Number one uh, lesson on one of these YouTube videos was – Americans are so used to just watching the guy with the ball. But if you yes. do that when you watch football on uh, uh, soccer on yeah. TV, you miss 90% of the game. Absolutely. It's everything else that's happening yep. that you want to keep an eye on. So the ball, you'll get a replay of whatever's happening with the ball. So, yeah. Anyway, well, thanks for the advice, and uh, good thing we we set a time limit on it, because I know you're passionate (laughs) about this topic in a good way. So, All right. Well, Chris, thanks for bringing us the news as well. Really appreciate it. Yep. All right. Uh, You have a great weekend. Listeners, stick around. We're going to have a short break and a little more Live Till 5, including our topic and some listener-submitted content from Troy the Boy Prince. More after this short break. And we're back with a little more live till 5, 4.44 p.m. On this Friday, June 1st, Troy gave me this list here. Five of the most unusual summer camps. The top five from businessinsider.com. Good job, Troy, as far as uh, citing your references. That's always good. That gets you out of hot water. If something is said that isn't accurate or doesn't match up with what someone else thinks, you can say, well, I just got it from this place. So good job. Camp number five, Camp Jam in Norcross, Georgia. It costs $1,595 for a week. And it is a music camp for kids 7 to 17 years old who want to know how to play. Every Friday night, they have a concert. That sounds like a fun one. Number four, Plantation Camp in Casadero, California. Cost $4,400 for a month. I can't imagine sending my kids to camp for a month, but at Camp Plantation, there's no such thing as electricity. Kids spend the entire time outside playing Capture the Flag, tie-dyeing shirts, of course, and even riding horses bareback. Where does this camp put its money? They don't have to spend it on power bills. They don't even buy saddles. The kids bring their own shirts. They're making a killing in Casadero, California. Anyway, that's, that's all side commentary. Spy Camp, International Spy Museum in Washington, 415 a week. Now, sadly, I think we had an article on the show a few months ago. The Spy Museum closed. So this is something they were doing, but I don't believe it's happening anymore. 415 a week. Maybe they were undercharging. They should have taken a play out of the plantation camps book. Anyway, kids 10 to 13 attending spy camp will learn how to crack codes, go on secret spy missions, learn how to use spy gadgets, even attend secret briefings booby trap uh the laundry basket no i'm just kidding i put that in there the camp is one week long number two hollywood stunt camp where in running springs california six thousand two hundred ninety five dollars a month description at this camp kids learn to do incredible stunts learn hand-to-hand combat and choreograph their own stunt show with the nearby film camp and number one wizards and warriors camp in Westford, Massachusetts, $4,295 a month. At this camp, kids learn uh, to fight zombies, train with foam, foam weapons, go on treasure hunts, develop their own character during the duration of the session. Wow. There you go. Troy also gave me a little bonus here. This is, this is a little mind trick. Let's see. This came from Ripley's Believe It or Not 2010 edition. I'm going to read you a set of math figures. You just have the answer in your brain. Never say them out loud. 7 plus 7. 21 minus 7. 10 plus 4. 34 minus 20. 16 minus 2. 11 plus 3. Now, think of a vegetable. Most people choose carrot. Did you choose a carrot? Carrot. There you go. Thanks a lot, Troy. Appreciate it. Now, it is summertime. We're officially, I think the first day of the I think the the summer equinox is June 21st or 22nd, the longest day of the year, but it is summertime and people go on trips and take vacations. Here's a few tourism stats from 2017 and 2018. I'm not going to go through all of them, but this is from TrekSoft a website focused mainly on tourism information here. Booking trends, for example, 55% of leisure travelers just take one to two vacations a year and put a lot of thought into planning these trips. However, when presented with a promotion offer, 30% would take a trip when they weren't planning. 25% would consider going to a destination that they weren't even familiar with. If there's a 30% off promotion. Number two, Rising travel research on mobile mobile comes at no surprise. 70% of travelers with smartphones have done travel research on their smartphone. One in two travelers' journeys start on mobile. 50% of millennial travelers have discovered a new travel company while researching on mobile. 30% of mobile searches are related to location. 50% of search queries are four words or longer. Here's another one. Tour and activity websites are most commonly visited during the evening, with Monday and Sunday evenings having the most visits. 59% of travelers begin researching their next trip between one and three months before departure. 38% of bookings are happening the same day or two days before the activity. Many of these bookings take place in destination while consumers are already traveling. That number grows 53% when looking at bookings within a week, while only 19% of these activities were booked more than a month in advance. And uh, it goes on and on and on. Obviously, the travel industry is big money. But even though it's big money, one last one here. Is the travel industry still stuck in the Stone Age? Well, tours and activities still have to emerge from the Stone Age. Focusrite shares how 55% of tour and activity suppliers do not have a third-party reservation system. And those who don't, 67%, use email or a calendar to manage their bookings. That's not good. Tour and activity suppliers cite growing online sales as their number one priority, and three quarters say they will have live online booking before the end of this year. Most suppliers are manually validating reservations, which is a risk as well as tedious. The larger suppliers, $1 million in revenue or above, are being hit hardest by fraud, among which 38% reconcile later. Geographically emerging markets um, are also a problem. So basically, this article just goes on and on with different stats. Now, for everyone else to be more interested on things like the best summer vacation destinations in America, according to the U.S. News and World Report, let's see here. Number one, Boston, Massachusetts. I would agree. If you're looking for a great trip in the States, Boston, Massachusetts, the Freedom Trail, Paul Revere's house, Betsy Ross... Starbucks on the corner of that one street. It's all really good. Boston, Massachusetts. Number two, Seaside, Oregon. Number three, this is all according to U.S. News & World Reports, Steamboat Springs, Colorado. That's a great place, too. I believe there's an Olympic Training Center there. Number four, Nashville, Tennessee. I love Nashville. I got to visit there in the fall. That was my first time, and it was really a fun place. Great restaurants there. Portland, Oregon, number five. Portland, Maine, number six. Number seven, Seattle, Washington. Number eight, Bar Harbor, Maine. I've not been there, but I've heard it's just beautiful. Actually, you know what? I think I have been there. I think it's near Kittery. Could be wrong about that. Maybe one of my main listeners will send me a note about that. Sonoma, California, number nine. And Grand Teton National Park, Wyoming, number 10. That is beautiful. I've been to about half of those places, and uh, there's a reason why they make the top 10 list. Now, amusement parks... It's a summer thing, right? There are just so many great amusement parks to go to. Uh, let me read you some of the best ones. According to, uh, let's see, thrillophilia.com, they listed all the best amusement parks for families in the world. Number one, number one in the world, they say, Universal Studios, Sentosa Island, Singapore, the adventure universe. Number two, Disney's Hollywood Studios, Orlando, Florida, The Kingdom of Thrill. Number three, Disneyland Parks in France, The Entertainment Resort. Number four, Europa Park, Germany, The Land of Fairy Tales. Number five, Port Aventura, Spain, The Caribbean Adventure. Number six, Gardaland, Italy, The Land of Fantasies. Number seven, Tavilo Gardens, Copenhagen, Denmark, The Melodious Caravan. Number eight, Wallaby, Brussels, Belgium, the Addictive Universe. It's funny all the names with these places. Number nine, Pleasure Beach, Blackpool, UK, the Exhilarating Day Out. And number 10, the Prater, or the Prater, Vienna, Austria, the Adventure micro nation. And there are a bunch more from this article, but I don't have time. Another summer thing here. Did you know that four states, just four states, account for most of the U.S. watermelon production? Well, this is from the farm-equipment.com article July 3rd, a couple years ago here. While watermelons are grown across the United States, most production occurs in four southern and western states that offer consistently warm temperatures, 70 to 90 degrees Fahrenheit, and a growing season that requires up to three months. Most commercial production is limited to the south and southwest. Florida has historically been the top producer of watermelons and accounted for 19% of the 3.9 billion pounds of U.S. watermelon production production. A couple years ago, Florida and three other states, Georgia, California, and Texas account for two thirds of the U.S. output. Seedless varieties are in increasing demand. The share of seedless watermelon and total watermelon shipments in the United States increased from 51% to 83% in just 10 years. Seedless varieties, typically started as transplant rather than from direct seeding, require more intensive management and are more reliant on bee pollination than seeded varieties with the cost differences generally visible at the retail level. I did not know all of that. Florida, 19%. Georgia, 17%. California, 16%. Texas, 14%. Those are the top four. They, they make up most of the watermelon production in the U.S., you also have South Carolina 7%, Indiana 6%, North Carolina 6%, and all the other states combined, 15%. That's a lot of watermelon, folks. Tell you what, let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to have just a little more, just a little more talk. I'd like to talk to you about the country. Of the day that is the hardest, one of the hardest countries on the planet to be a Christian. I also like to just tell you one quick little story as we wrap it up. So stick around a little more live till five after this short break. Walk with me, Lord. God and we're back with a little more live till five, four fifty-seven PM on this Friday, June first. The Maldives rank as the thirteenth most dangerous country to follow Christ in. Although the level of violence is very low there, according to this report, church life is at the highest level of pressure of almost any nation on the planet. Three prayer requests for believers in the Maldives. Because the Bible is considered contraband, access to scripture is restricted. Ask God to provide his word to secret believers in the Maldives. Pray that God would reveal himself to Muslim Maldivians in dreams and visions and pray for the discipleship of secret believers in the country who are stifled by issues of security and unity. They they call them secret believers because they cannot. The church life is just stifled to almost 100% church life is restricted. One final thing, just as a final sad article I read in Fox News just came out today. Fox, this lady, Charlotte Fox, was the first woman to climb three mountains at altitudes of 8,000 meters or higher After she reached Mount Everest summit, she continued climbing and even trekked up two more 8,000-meter mountains two years ago. But Charlotte Fox, a survivor of the deadly 1996 Mount Everest expedition, died last week after an apparent fall down the stairs at her Telluride, Colorado home. Fox, who was 61, was found dead May 24th by friends who were staying with the climber at the Mountain Film Weekend. And uh, it was very shocking, of course. Just one of those things where you think about someone that survived a a, a terrible uh, adventure on Mount Everest. She didn't think she was going to make it out alive. She climbed many mountains, and then she passed away after falling down the stairs. And, and the irony of that is just that I think that people, and I don't know her spiritual condition, and this is not in any way to diminish that. It's so sad for family and friends, I'm sure, but We don't know how much time we have. Our lives are in God's hand. And we have to live our lives for his glory, not just for our own pleasure. Because we don't know the day or the hour God's going to call us home. Sometimes God might preserve our life through something that seems like it would normally just take your life. Sometimes it's something little and life is over and we're in eternity and I ask you, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? If you don't know the answer to that question, leave this radio station on. You'll hear the gospel presented over and over again, and you can learn. You can contact us here at Harvest Family Radio. Go to our website, khmg.org. Go to our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio Guam. Send us a message. We'll send you some information how you can know about your eternity, which is coming sooner than you realize. Visit us here at Harvest Baptist Church Sunday morning, 1030 a.m., here at the Harvest Baptist Church Auditorium. I'd love to meet you. My name's Sherrod Baldwin. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you for listening to Live Till 5. Fastest two hours of my week. This Friday, June 1st, episode 267. Glad to have you with us today. Have a great weekend.